Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Brad Sinopoli's retirement. Craig Dickinson's comments on Cody Fajardo. Jake Plummer acting in a Canadian football film. Shy Ross mid-air Oreo dunk. Oh boy. And Three Down Nation's CFL logo rankings. But first, Dunkster... The Senate passed Bill C-218 on Tuesday, making the legalization of single-game sports betting in Canada imminent. You told the CBC that sports betting has the potential to save the CFL. Tell our listeners why. I really do so off the top because I feel like single-game sports betting means you aren't forced into a partnership with the XFL. We've been talking about it for months, Hodge, and I really believe this is an absolute game changer. Riders president Craig Reynolds was on the record and said it's their biggest revenue opportunity since their television deal exclusively, which is now with TSN, which is in and around $50 million these days for a full season. So when we're talking about potentially that kind of coin. We won't really know the exact dollar amount until we go through an entire full season. But we're talking about the type of revenue that could seriously make the league viable for however long people want to bet on football in this country. Yeah, and I think for people who maybe aren't into betting or don't know a lot about betting, you know, they might ask, well, why, like how, where and how does this money come from? One side of it is kind of the indirect benefit, right? Because if there are gamblers and bettors who have put money on a game, I know I certainly am like this with the NFL. It doesn't matter if I've put down 10 bucks on Jacksonville plus five, even if the game sucks, I'm going to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars 
uh, tried to keep it close against the Tennessee Titans. It doesn't matter if the game is good. If I put a little bit of money down, I'm just in watching it to the end. But there are some potential direct deals, right, with with new partners, new sponsors, new uh, in-game, uh, in-stadium potentially, exclusive bets for CFL fans that if teams are creative and the league is innovative in how they, they implement these types of things, I agree. I think it could be really lucrative for the CFL in how they turn gambling that used to be a, a you know a, a zero win into something that potentially drives revenue exactly hodge and the first most obvious one is if you're a sports book out there you want to be the official sports book of the league just like anything else right when we see let's say for instance in the nfl and how big gatorade has become and people see that's the official drink of the nfl People buy that thinking, you know, this is what the athletes drink. You know, it's going to make me a better human being and perform better perhaps in my day-to-day life. So when you have that same thing, and we've seen this in the NFL already, in the NHL as well, where these sports books have partnered with individual teams and or the league, that people feel like, well, that's the sports book I should be betting with because they're the official sponsor of the league. They can have all of the logos and all that kind of thing implemented within their lines. Then you get into, as you said, if the league really gets innovative and if they have their own in-game betting app at the stadium and ideally something that you could use while you're sitting at your couch as well, the league specifically is making money off every single wager that is placed. And you mentioned it off the top, and I think it's smart to say that Maybe a lot of people out there aren't familiar with single game better or don't understand the depth of it. So the easiest way to think about it is when people talk about the Super Bowl prop bets that are out there. Probably the most famous ones would be the coin toss. How long will the national anthem will go over under a certain time? And, you know, will there be nudity in the halftime show like we happened to see one time even though it was by accident but those are the types of bets where you get the average sports fan in on the action you're gonna have the hardcores betting on the lines and the totals and those types of different things and that jargon is going to become i really think normalized by the fans around the league but when your average fan as you said can tune into a game and they can bet on something even without having to be an expert on the CFL, that's where the extra money is going to come in. Yeah, one one idea I had real quick is is if you want to engage people in stadium, because obviously we still want people to come to games, ticket sales, gate revenue, and all the things that go along with it are great. What if you could place a bet and instead of winning money, you win something for fans in your section? Like say you predict that, you know, uh, Greg Ellingson is going to catch, you know, six passes for 92 yards and you end up being the closest of anybody in the stadium. Maybe your section, you know, everyone in your row gets a beer. Could you imagine being the hero in your section who got free beer for everybody in your row? I know if that happened to me, I would never miss another game in my life, right? These are opportunities that are creative. They're engaging. They're new. They're fresh. I think it could be great, right? Um, Okay. This is a prop bet. If at halftime, this player goes over this amount any person who bets on this uh, successfully, right, gets uh, gets a hot dog. They get they get a drink. They get or oh, they get their name entered for a jersey. Right? There's there's ways to be creative about it that I think could could really really uh, put the the whole in stadium experience to a new level. Great point, buddy. 
Brad Tanopoli announced his retirement on Wednesday morning, ending a stellar nine-year career during which he was twice named Most Outstanding Canadian. How will the Red Blacks deal with the loss of arguably their best offensive player? Yeah, talking to our guy Santino Filoso, who's written about the Red Blacks since, I mean, the, you know, I think even before the uh, the launching of Three Down Nation back in 2015, um, which I believe was the same year off the top of my head that Sinopoli signed with the Red Blacks. Um, you know, it, it's clear that Sinopoli is is probably the, the, you know, the face of that team, that franchise since it came back and to the CFL, to be quite honest, uh, in 2014. Uh, Henry Burris was obviously the starting quarterback when the team uh, officially came back in their expansion season. He won them a great cup in uh, in 20, uh, 2016, which was sensational. But he's long since retired now. And, and Brad Sinopoli, of course, is the added benefit of being a local guy, right? He's 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 not originally from Ottawa exactly. He's from Peterborough originally, but he played at the University of Ottawa for the GGs as a quarterback when he was a, uh, a Heck Crichton winner as the top player in U Sports football. So obviously they they're going to miss him from you know just that recognition standpoint. Now he is going to be working for OSEG uh, as a community outreach type person, but in terms of on the field dunkster, I think the Red Blacks would have been in trouble this year even with Sinopoli. Uh, one thing I do think they have working to their advantage a little bit is frankly I don't think Brad Sinopoli was ever going to be a great fit for Paul Apolise's offense. He did not have a lot of time in Winnipeg over the last four seasons for big bodied receivers who don't run particularly well. Uh, Brad Sinopoli great slot back but never a burner right not a guy who's gonna who's gonna hit a home run type of reception and that's typically not what Paul Apolise prioritizes it's not size he prioritizes speed so i i'm interested to see if daniel peterman can win the spot i've loved him uh, since the bombers drafted him and he he performed really well in spot duty anthony coombs i think could be an interesting uh guy to kind of mix and match he has some experience at running back but they do have him listed at receiver on their website right now i'm interested to hear your thoughts dunk how how much do you think ottawa's in trouble potentially without brad sinopoli in their future well, you have a good point there in terms of the scheme fit with Paul Apolise, right? It's totally different from what a lot of people would think. And even though some people might throw their hands up in anger and say, hey, well, you can't use Brad Sinopoli, scheme does change a lot in terms of the players that you want to have in there for it to ultimately be successful. So you mentioned speed, and the guy that comes to mind that we haven't even mentioned yet is Michael Klukas, who they recently signed a guy that's running in the four threes who has been in the lab during COVID-19 doing work. And if you want a local Ottawa guy to potentially help you out in terms of let's say Brad Sinopoli 2.0 in some sense of the word, not in the player mold because they're much different physically, but Nate Bahar played for Carleton University, starred there for the program, went there instead of going to Western University because he wanted to grow the Ravens program from the ground up when football came back there at Carleton. So to me, those two guys most logically make sense to have success in Paul Apolise's offense. I do really think Daniel Peterman also has a shot. Klukas, we know, is a burner. He needs to show more consistency catching the football. And Nate Bahar, really strong guy, has made some plays, especially in Edmonton. He got a chance to get on the field. And we got to remember, he was selected in the first round 
of the CFL draft. So a talent that a lot of people coveted coming out of school. And he's got solid speed as well. I believe at the combine he ran in the four fives or the four sixes. So guys that would fit in Lapalisa's scheme. True. And the other option, of course, they do have is just flipping that slot back spot to an American spot. Uh, But I think the issue in Ottawa is like that, you know, they played five Canadian alignment the last time we saw them on the field. I think this year they're going to play three. So if you're taking two Canadians off the O-line and now you're taking one out of the receiving core, that's obviously going to have a huge impact on the rest of your roster. So definitely something to watch when training camps open in just a few weeks time. We got to take a super quick break, Dunkster, but we'll be right back. And we're back on the Three Down Nation podcast. Dunkster Derek Dennis was placed on Edmonton's retired list this week, though he has stated that he's open to returning in 2022. Other players who have stepped away from the game officially include Taylor Loeffler, Natea Jay, Chad Jeter, Kevin Elliott, and Courtney Steven. Are these retirements a concern for you? They're not really as a group, to be honest, to Kobe Cofield, the riders tackle is amongst that group as well. He's retired. And that one to me stands out because it means Saskatchewan is going to be working with a bit of a patchwork offensive line. But as we well know, and in a normal year, we normally do see stars emerge out of nowhere. Guys that come to training camp win spots or, you know, maybe late in the year catch lightning in a bottle and really get themselves a legitimate spot on the team going forward. So the fact that it's all happening at once to me isn't alarming because let's say this was spread over two years. If we did play a season in 2020 and 2021, it might be in and around the same numbers. I mean, guys are doing it for sort of various reasons here. Brad Sinopoli, for example, wants to preserve his health long term there are some other players in this group and i won't name them specifically but to feel like the compensation just wasn't worth it for them to leave home come up here have their family stay in the united states pay for a mortgage or rent down in the u.s and then have to pay for that up here and barely come back with anything so that's the other side of those decisions i think right now and to me overall The fact that we're having a CFL season, it'll just allow for new stars to emerge. Certainly, you don't like to see recognizable names leave the game too early, but it is part of the natural turnover. Yeah, you you raise a good point. There's there's always brand new names, right, who come out of nowhere. One who really stands, you know, comes to mind for 2019 was Quan Bray, who was sensational, right, in Montreal's receiving core. Nobody had ever heard of him. Uh, at least in the CFL. He had a great college career, but in the CFL, no one's heard of him. All of a sudden, he he becomes a star overnight. And whether you want to talk James Wilder Jr., whether you want to talk, uh, you know, there, there have been lots of guys, right, who have come and, and, and stormed onto this team. Jonathan Jennings would be another great example. Didn't have the longevity, mm-hmm. but the initial burst of him coming onto the scene with BC was exciting. I have talked, however, to a few people who are worried we're about to see some ugly ugly football this summer uh, as players kind of get reintegrated and so many new players are playing Uh, obviously it's too early to say for sure if that's going to happen but that's going to be something to keep an eye on early in the year how ready do these players look especially considering there's not going to be a preseason in 2021 
That could be possible, buddy, but I do think that training camp is long enough. It's a little longer in actuality than normal. If these guys are pros, the ones who show up and make the roster will be in shape, and I think we'll see a high quality of ball that we're used to in the CFL. Hodge, you broke one of the most bizarre stories in the history of our <laughs> website on Wednesday with the news that former NFL quarterback Jake the Snake Plummer will be playing a supporting role in the proposed Canadian football film Kick. How is this even happening? So Chris Bickford is the name of a former teen actor born in Toronto. He was on a show on Nickelodeon in the 1980s, a little before my time. But I believe it was called You Can't Do That on Television. Um, anyways, uh, he's a huge CFL fan, loves Three Down Nation as well, and uh, decided he wants to showcase the CFL in a Netflix movie. So he's trying to get this movie made. He's got most of the budget secured. He wrote it. He's co-producing it with a Canadian, the largest privately owned Canadian fi uh, film production company uh, in the nation. And uh, anyways... He's been talking to me a little bit lately about the plans for the movie, sending me updates. Well, all of a sudden this week, he, he tells me, yeah, so we've secured Jake Plummer to play the role of the old veteran grizzled quarterback of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I just about fell out of my chair. I'm like, you're like the Jake Plummer, like the Jake Plummer I grew up playing as in Madden when, when I was a teenager and he was with the Denver Broncos. Like, yes, that's the guy. So anyways, I got a chance to talk to Jake on the phone, which was a great, great opportunity. Super nice guy. And I found out he actually has a ton of connections to the CFL. He had very glowing things to say. We got an article up on it Thursday morning uh, on the site. He called Doug Flutie maybe the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. And that's not in the CFL. That's, that's period in the CFL or the NFL. He also turns out as a close personal friend of Travis Moore, who spent the last decade coaching in the CFL. Before that was a three-time All-Star uh, with Calgary and Saskatchewan. Uh, and he also was coached by Mark Tressman when he was a young quarterback at the uh, at you know with the Arizona Cardinals when Tressman was the OC and the quarterback's coach. So he's got a ton of connections to the CFL, and I can't wait to watch this movie, provided, of course, that it gets made. All right. First and foremost, i got to say, I dig that Jake Plummer is down to play this role for a lot of the same reasons. <laughs> Playing him as Madden, Jake the Snake Plummer, you know, the seasons that he had. He was the mobile quarterback in the NFL before a lot of these guys, I think, that have come along now. And that's why we used him in Madden so much. However, if you're making a film about the Canadian Football League, and I agree, it's a great idea to have it on Netflix so it can be seen a bunch of times by people who've maybe never heard of the CFL the guy in the lead role in the quarterback spot can't be anyone else but Doug Flutie. Like, get that guy in your movie. He is the arguably most well-known player to ever play in the league. Now, Warren Moon, I think you certainly could argue, but Flutie's more recent. So to me, I'm just trying to understand how he's not the guy playing the lead role. Well, hey, if they can get Jake the Snake Plumber the next step is Doug Flutie, and then the next step, obviously, it's a cameo for you and me. <laughs> Moving on, Dougster. Riders head coach Craig Dickinson commended quarterback Cody Fajardo for the work he's put in over an extended offseason. He wants the second-year starter to, quote, step up his game and be even better than he was last season, end quote. Dougster, do you think Fajardo can really improve on his performance from 2019? Beep, 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 beep. Shots fired. 
But no, in reality, it's pretty clear that Craig Dickinson and Cody Fajardo have talked about this. And I really do get the sense that Fajardo understands that when football is played again, and it's really looking good for 2021, obviously, and playing it in August, that it's going to be much different this time around because when he was in that role in 2019, emerging is completely different from cementing yourself as a legitimate starter in the league. And that season in 2019, Bolivar Mitchell was hurt. Trevor Harris was hurt. Mike Riley didn't finish the season because of that broken wrist injury. You obviously had the quarterback shuffle that was going on in Winnipeg with Matt Nichols suffering the shoulder injury, Chris Strebler starting for a while, the legend, and Zach Claros coming in. So the West is going to look totally different in terms of competitiveness competitiveness just from the quarterback position so I think that's where the challenge really comes for Fajardo is when he goes head-to-head against Bolivar Mitchell and Trevor Harris and Mike Riley and Zach Calero savvy veterans in this league that all either have a gray cup as a starter or have been to gray cups as a starter Harris is the only outlier there he's been to a gray cup as a starter but doesn't have a ring as a starter. Obviously, he has one as a backup with the Ottawa Red Blacks when Henry Burris won in 2016. So, to me, that's the main difference. And it's also about backing it up. Because we've seen, and you referenced earlier in the show, Jonathan Jennings be a flash in the pan, throw for 5,000 yards, had all this excitement around him, and then he never, ever could get back to that level. So when defenses are focusing on you and planning for your tendencies... How good can you really be week in and week out? We're going to find out in 2021. Yeah, the other thing I'll add to that is expectations, right? Coming into 2019, I think rider expectations went down when suddenly, you know, Chris Jones, who was the head coach, GM, grand poobah of football on the prairies, <laughs> resigned suddenly. And all of a sudden, Ryder fans coming off a 12-6 and six season go, okay, maybe we're not going to be able to match that, but we, we, we can still get to the playoffs. And then Cody Fajardo takes a hellacious hit, and he's out, presumably for the season in week one. And all of a sudden, expect- oh, par- pardon me, uh, Zach Kolaris, of course. So Zach Kolaris goes out, and all of a sudden in Ryderville, it's now, okay, um, expectations take another shot. Now it's just like, okay, let's try to make the playoffs. We got this completely unproven kid under center. Well, guess what? 13 and 5, they win the West. They almost make it to the Grey Cup. Of course, Cody Fajardo is the hero. Of course, he is. He took a team with the most passionate fans in the CFL and with almost no expectations, completely blew them out of the water. Well, guess what? Coming into 2021, Ryder fans' expectations are sky high, and Cody Fajardo is going to feel their wrath if those expectations go unmet. I'd argue it's Grey Cup or bust. Those Riders fans in Saskatchewan really feel like it was a goalpost away, Hodge, so you're right. Those expectations are much different from when you're coming up as the guy who is just emerging out of a situation, quite honestly, after week one when Kalaros went down in 2019, people were saying, well, is it going to be Isaac Harker? Or Cody Fajardo starting in week two. He got the start in Ottawa and we know what he did with it. But I'm with you. Expectations bring a whole different set of not issues, but just overall getting back to that level is going to be difficult again. Our readers scored all nine CFL team logos on a scale of one to five. And we received Hodge over 2,000 ballots 
in what was it? Just over a week? No, yeah, less about than there. a week. Yep. With Winnipeg coming last at nine and Hamilton finishing first at number one, what surprised you the most? You know, I think the thing that surprised me the most, and it, it didn't surprise me to see those two teams at the end of the spectrum. You know, Winnipeg, I, I happen to like, I actually like all nine logos, to be quite honest. I think they're all at least decent. Uh, Winnipeg's is just so simple. It's it's a W with an outline. Like, it's 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 nothing wild, crazy, or flashy. It's, it's an ultimate, you know, tradition logo. Uh, and Hamilton, I think, has a great look. They've always had a great look. I've always liked their logos. They've had a few uh, throughout their, their existence. Uh, to me, the thing that I was most surprised by is that Toronto and Edmonton finished second and third, respectively. And, of course, those are the two brand-new logos. Yes, the Argos' new logo, the boat logo, is inspired by an old traditional logo, but it's a fresh, updated version that they introduced in November 2020 as their full-time look. And the Elks just changed their logo to something completely brand-new we'd never seen, and that logo was very favorably scored by CFL fans across the country. So I think, obviously, if you're Toronto or you're Edmonton, you pat yourselves on the back and go, okay, you know, out of nine logos, we're in the top third, despite these being brand new and not, you know, as tried, true, and, and, and maybe tested as a bunch of the others that have been in place in some cases for decades and decades and decades in other CFL cities. You hit it pretty well there, I think, overall, Hodge. I don't hate the Winnipeg Blue Bombers logo, but it's just kind of plain Jane. I do actually really like their uniforms when they're at home, that they've gone back to that blue and then the gold look. I think it looks really sharp. And I think if you go around the league, there's not necessarily a logo that you look at that you think is awful. But to me, it does stand out that the Elks logo ranked in the top three, as you mentioned, when there was so much heat from the people on one side that did not want to change the former name, buddy. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and, and and look, there's always going to be people upset with change, but I think looking at the numbers that I, I ran a poll the day it was announced that got over 2,000 votes, which is a pretty good sample size. Only 13% of people in that poll had a negative reaction, and it was nice to see such a warm response on the, uh, the poll that we conducted. And thanks to all of our listeners who contributed ballots. We thought about just doing it in-house, having all of our contributors rank them, and we said, nah, you know, let's open this up to the Three Down Nation family with our readers, our listeners, get them involved, and we're happy that you did. On that note, Dunkster, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Moment. Welcome back for Hodges Heritage Moment. On this day in 2020, James Wilder Jr. announced his retirement from the CFL at the age of 28 amid uncertainty regarding the upcoming season, which of course would eventually be canceled. The star running back had signed a one-year contract with Montreal in June following a three-year stint with Toronto. He has since come out of retirement, signing a contract with Edmonton, where he looks to be the frontrunner to start at running back dunkster we already talked about a bunch of retirements off the top isn't it wild that just in this pandemic james wilder jr retired and then came back seven months later it is in a way and i could see how people view that but to me i knew he's going to come back and play football wilder jr absolutely loves it and his physique told you that he was not done yet absolutely on that note it is time for the three minute drill powered by jiffy lube 
Edmonton Elks receiver Shy Ross performed an insane mid-air Oreo dunk in a viral video that received millions of views. What's your take on the dumpster? It shows the world that CFL players are among the best athletes on the planet. A little different from NFL ones, yes, but the fact that this literally went around the globe, number one, shows the level that these, these athletes are at, and number two, to me, shows that there needs to be more cool content made like this based around CFL players. Kicker and punter Justin Medlock is not expected to return to Winnipeg this year. Do you think rookie kicker Mark Leggio can fill that role? You know, it's a huge, huge pair of shoes, and pun intended, to fill with Justin Medlock. However, if anybody could do it as a raw rookie, it's Mark Leggio. He is the all-time U Sports leading place kicker in the history of Canadian University football. So I like his chances. If anybody can do it, it's him. Calgary receiver Trivel Pinto announced he is retiring to focus on fighting his sexual assault charge. Are the Stamps going to miss him? Well, he never actually played for Calgary yet, so I think they'll be smarting after losing the draft pick and potentially never having to play for the franchise. But to be honest, I don't think Blue Bombers announced Daryl Patterson as the team's new defensive line coach. He'll coach up Willie J, of course. Does that <laughs> hire make sense? I think it does. He 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 got a ton of Canadians. I mean, he played for the Bombers, won a couple great cups in the 1980s, but he also has trained through Rice and a bunch of other NCAA stops, some top-tier Canadian talent, including Christian Covington, who's now going to, I believe it's his sixth NFL season along the D-line. The Stamps unveiled some new uniforms for the 2021 season in honor of their 75th anniversary. Do you like their new digs? So hot, man. Bowie by Mitchell showing off that new physique, man. He looks in shape, and those unis <laughs> helped him out. 2021 second-round draft pick for Aljana signed his contract with the Sasky Riders. What do you expect from him as a rookie? Well, he's one of the most pro-ready players coming out of the 2021 CFL draft. If anything happens to one of their Canadian receivers there, whether it's Braden Lennius Dickey or Justin McInnes, I think Jana has the potential to go off. Not dissimilarly to how Hergie Miela did it in Calgary in 2019. Edmonton signed veteran long snapper Chad Rempel, who also happens to be the CFL's oldest active player. Do you think he's going to make an impact there with the Elks? For sure, man. He's always on point. You put the hands down, he fires it back like it's nothing. That dude could snap into six. <laughs> the Elks promoted Chris Rippon to the role of special teams coordinator following the departure of A.J. Gass, a first-time CFL coach. Is it a good fit? Well, I'll say this. The Elks have had poor special teams play for years now. They've been at or near the bottom of a lot of statistical categories, and I've talked to personnel people and some coaches around the league who have highlighted that as an issue in Edmonton. I wish Chris Rippon luck in getting that unit set right. The Buffalo Bills added Canadian defensive lineman Ellie Anku. What are your expectations for the Bills Mafia in 2021? Super Bowl contenders, man, with Josh Allen. He's about to get paid here, maybe in the range of Patrick Mahomes. Bills looking to try to get that NFL title, man. Edmonton signed Canadian offensive lineman Matt O'Donnell to a new contract. He'd been a free agent since February. Is it a big re-addition? As big as him? 
<laughs> I don't know if it's as big as a 6 foot 10, 350 pound frame, but ah, uh, yes, it is a big addition to the offensive line. Edmonton, uh, they did address it a little bit in the draft, uh, particularly with the selection of Thomas Jack Cordilla in 2020, but you can never have too much depth along the offensive line, especially when you've got your prized asset, Trevor Harris, dropping dimes in the backfield. The Riders and Bombers are planning a controlled scrimmage on July 24th, for which there should be some tickets sold. Isn't that exciting? It is, buddy, but it better be at minimum streamed so we can see it on a screen somehow, someway. It was reported on Thursday that the Bombers would only be allowing fully vaccinated fans double-dosed to attend games to start the 2021 season. Is that fair? I, I'll just say this. I'm double-vaxxed, so I'm ready to go, baby. Let's see Hodge at IG Field. Can't wait. Take my vaccinated ass into the stadium right now. I'm there. Last but not least, the Riders lost $7.5 million in 2020, which was akin to the losses of the CFL's other two community-owned teams in Winnipeg and Edmonton. Did that number surprise you? It did, Hodge. And I know these answers are supposed to be short, and I feel like we can go back and forth on this if you want, but... I thought, to be quite honest, it was going to be more than $7.5 million. President Craig Reynolds had said he felt like it was going to be around 10 when he was projecting it. And the Riders actually reported operational revenue of $10.3 million. Now, $3.9 million, so nearly $4 million of that, was from the Canadian Emergency Wage subsidy. But the fact the Riders brought in that much money in a year where they didn't play football, you know, it was pretty decent. I agree. They got some sponsorship money in there still. If you look through the financial report, as we did, um, all we can hope, obviously, is that losses are mitigated in 2021, and then these teams can start turning a profit again in 2022 and stabilize the future of this league we all love. On that note, we thank you, as always, for listening to the 3 Down Nation podcast. We're going to be back next week. Check us out on next Thursday. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 